Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the Machiavellian, Mellifluous, and monumental Mad Wizard Merwin. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Wow, that was a lot of syllables there. That's, uh, that's, some, that's a lot of... That's too much for me to handle this morning. Well, you know, I, was, I went and looked and was like, which of these words have the most syllables so I can be the most syllabic version mm. of myself at the beginning of the show for you? You were salivating all over the place. Salivating, salivating. Is that even yes. a word? It no, should be. It is now. If you use a lot of syllables, <laughs> you salivate. <laughs> all See? right. Now that we've done our thirty seconds of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm 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 Chris. He's Sean. This is down with D and D. It's true. Yeah. All right. Let's do some announcements. So this one made me giggle. The Elder Scrolls tabletop game was pulled and adventure for it anyway because of uh, plagiarism. Yeah, this is only making the news because of what they plagiarized. So so Bethesda um, has their Elder Scrolls Online game, with, and they have a RP, tabletop RPG adventure to go along with it. And for their latest release, uh, they're having an expansion uh, called, an expansion to the video game called um, Elsewhere. And so they put out an adventure uh, online for people to download. And the adventure that they put out for people to download is a pretty much copy and paste with just a few words changed here and there of an Adventures League adventure from Season 5 by Paige Lightman and Ben Heisler called The Black Road, Um, one of the most famous and highly respected adventures out there. So obviously... There is not a brick wall between people that play online video games and people that play D&D. And it shows the popularity of the Adventurers League for within 30 seconds of it uh, being put up. People were like, uh, yeah, this is an Adventurers League adventure. So, hey, Ben and uh, Paige, congratulations. I know, uh, right? You, you're famous now. Yeah. So obviously it is being looked into at this point. It just happened a few hours ago, basically. Uh, so it is being looked into, and hopefully it will be rectified soon. I hope so also. All right, let's move on to our second announcement. Uh, I Maybe give me one second with that first one. Can I just have a giggle? Like, I'm having a giggle about it. When I read it, I actually laughed. I know it's really a serious problem. Like, these things shouldn't happen, but I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, yeah. why but Why are you... I, I'm pretty sure... I, I forget. Is that Bethesda? That's not Bethesda, is it? I, yeah. I, I forget. Is it Bethesda? Yeah. What Bethesda, why are you Why are you plagiarizing? Hey, I mean, hey, game designer at Bethesda, I know you probably like your D&D, but why are you going and copy-pasting and, and just slightly editing words? Why would you do that? You get paid a lot more money than... And a lot of these other people do to write those words. Well, I, I, what I'm hoping is this was sort of like a contractor that they've hired, and this person just—I don't know. I don't even. I don't even know. I mean, I'm railing against sites that put these up. You know, that pirate um, adventures that you know people could buy for a dollar, um, and now we have a 
you know, one of the major, if not the most major game company out there, um, have getting involved. So, yeah. Now, now to be fair, um, it was it Bethesda that released this table was going to release this tabletop role playing game adventure. Yes. Cause I thought I read it and I thought it was actually Bethesda. Not, uh, cause, cause, cause they're just doing their own tabletop role playing game thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in support of their video game as far as I know. Oh, is that what it is? I thought it was actually a tabletop role-playing game thing. Well, I um, th- in all the articles they say they stole a game, but really what they what they stole was the adventure. Um, so I'm not sure where that stands. Yeah, I wonder if it's. In, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, right? Like, I'm not. I, I haven't been able to figure out from what I've read and what I've been looking at if it's um the adventure, like if it's a tabletop role-playing game, or if it's built into their video game. No, uh, it's it's it was a separate release in support of to basically as like a marketing thing, I think. Oh, okay. For their, um, for their uh, video game. Now, even if that's a contractor, and I have no idea what the pay structure is for that, but but video game money is a lot more money than yes. than tabletop money, right? Like, this right. isn't Green Ronin paying somebody. This is Bethesda, yeah. and Bethesda like. There, there are horror stories about video game developers and whatnot, and what happens to them. Yeah. But they actually get paid a decent wage. Like it's yep. usually in that sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year for working a certain amount of years in that industry, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think it's hilarious that that is happening. Like, why, why would you do that? I mean, yeah. write something original. Don't go and I mean, I don't care if you are on deadline or whatever. I mean, right. I, assuming you got paid what you probably should have gotten paid, and even if you weren't getting paid what you should have gotten paid, don't do that. Yeah, I mean, and. And it's the only reason that even now I'm bringing it up is because this is being covered in like Variety magazine and I know it's great some <laughs> some large uh, media outlets. So it just it, it makes me uh, it, I have the 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 sort of like sad and like why giggles going on about it. Yeah, it just seems so so ridiculous. It's pretty surreal at this point. Yes, that's the right word. You got the mm-hmm. right word. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. All right, now let's move on to announcement two. Sorry, I just I had to do that. Okay, mm-hmm. so you and uh, you and Teos, you were on a podcast. Yeah, we did. We went on a podcast called Adventure They Wrote. It's an actual play podcast, but uh, every other week they do more news and um, discussion of D&D, which they call Short Rest. And so we went on, Teos and I went on Adventure They Wrote's Short Rest to talk with James Burroughs about our experiences in the hobby and in, in the industry, as well as being lead writers on the Acquisitions Incorporated hardcover coming out in a month. Only a month. That's cr- that's that's pretty pretty wild. Yep, and there's a link in the show notes uh, for the the interview, but you can just check out Adventure They Wrote website and you can find it there absolutely uh okay let's move on to the next thing because mm-hmm. you should go listen to that go speaking po- speaking of surreal let's move on to the next one i don't think this is surreal i think this was coming regardless yeah well t- 10 years ago i would have said this is surreal now i'm like yeah of course it is do you want to you want to do it? Go ahead, you do it. Okay, do it. I'll do it. Paizo's jumping on the five E bandwagon with what? their Kingmaker what? conversion. Yes, but they have their own new version of a game coming out. Why do they need to do that? Because it's a lot of money. Well, yeah, I, it's let's just say that if you go onto the Paizo forums, there is a lot of consternation with 
uh, with their fan base right now because they're doing a 10th anniversary Kingmaker product, um, which they are making for various platforms, but they are also making a 5e version. And so, you know, it's, it's news because Kingmaker for some people is a great adventure. Um, something that's kind of become iconic, um, for people that have been playing for that long. And it's not only that it's cross platform, like it's a video game. Yes. Like one of those isometric Baldur's Gate styled video games. And it's from everything I've heard, it's really good too. Yep. So So, like aside from that, it's that. It's it had a lot of innovative mechanics in it because you actually built a kingdom. Like it is a, a from what I've seen of it, it is a really well thought of, fantastic, wonderful adventure path. Mm-hmm. And now you can play it for five e as um, as they said on their website in their community blog. Um, they are developing in conjunction with industry leaders in third party five e publishing. That will allow players of the current edition of the world's oldest RPG the chance to experience the rich and detailed storylines that have made the Kingmaker Adventure Path a fan favorite for a decade. And it's also funny to note that when other people um, do 5e books, they're not allowed to say D&D, of course. So they call it the world's greatest role-playing game. And Paizo changed that to the world's oldest role-playing game. It's kind of funny. Yep. So definitely uh, pretty interesting news for all the uh, marketing bluster that has gone on around Pathfinder over the years and how much better it is than D&D. Now it is a 5e product coming out of Paizo. Hey, man, I'll I'll, uh, I'll give them that they have the best version of the third edition rule set. Okay. that's, that's That's my hot take on it. There you go. I mean, you, other than you, that, I, I mean, their their game is dated and old and whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fight me about it. Come on, bring it. Yeah. Well, it's D&D just podcast. it's it's hard to it's hard to marketing wise. It's tough to be working on a brand new game um, and support you know this other game in this way. It's it makes sense monetarily. I'm sure that. Money-wise, it will be a sound investment on their part, but marketing-wise, it's it's a tough um, it's a tough sell to your fans. I mean, sort of. Like, I don't think they're selling it just to their fans, though, right? Like the the fifth edition version, they're selling it to the fifth edition crowd. Of course, right. But yeah. still, if if you've if your whole marketing pitch from the beginning of your game was, you know, these other this other company let you down. We're here. We're the saviors. Don't go to them. They're terrible. And now it's like, oh, but we're going to sell to their fans because we need money. Uh, that's that's the reality, right? Yeah, and it's I, I'm not mocking them. That's that it is a reality. You, if you want to keep a company in business, you have to make money. They're about at that point where, um, so from what I've seen from from being a company and marketing yourself and and doing your thing. Uh, usually every seven to ten years, you need to change how your brand functions. Mm-hmm. So this just might be the way that they shift their brand so that they can survive and be what they are. I mean, right. they, I mean, they might have said that to like create that that controversy or whatever because that can right. help you know bring an audience to you. Mm-hmm. But in reality, what Piazzo does exceptionally well is create adventures. Sure, like they're very good at it. Yep, yep. The, but the problem with that is it's it's hate based marketing, right? 
100. If, if you do hate-based marketing, what what crowd are you drawing? That's, right, you're drawing haters. That's right. That's <laughs> and true. so then you have to deal with that fallout later. And whether it's in politics or whether it's in business or whether it's in in anything, you know, if you if you market based on hate, that's that's the whirlwind that you will reap. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that honestly, for me, like this is Piazzo is not a small company. Um, in, in the role-playing game industry. Right. Hopefully, this is a shift for them to get away from that idea of being a hate-based marketing company, mm-hmm. to, be in, to, to throw their gauntlet against what is 5th edition, because 5th edition didn't even bother with Piazzo. The brand of Dungeons & Dragons hasn't even bothered with Piazzo in forever. They're like, whatever, we're just going to do our own thing and mm-hmm. be great at what we do. Yep. Um, I mean, but we all know... Because we, we, especially those of us who follow it, like the who are, the people that are in charge of D and D. I mean, they're not exactly the people that were in charge of D and D when Third Edition was around. In fact, I don't think any of them are are there anymore. I mean, there might be some of them there, but not in the same position they were when it came out. Yeah, so I mean, it's like a completely different team. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's exactly true for the people over at Piazzo. Uh, I mean, Eric Mona and Lisa Stevens are still pretty much in charge, if I remember correctly. Yep. So I mean, like. It'd be nice to see them, you know, change their tune and be nicer. Yeah, uh, we'll find out. I can say more of these things than Sean can, everybody. That's just the way this goes, because Sean's <laughs> way more involved in that situation than I am. So, uh, I mean, I will make the hot takes on that, Sean. You don't have to say anything. Okay. Sounds, uh, sounds fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the uh, to the next, the next thing. Um, our main topic. Sean, we're talking about box text today. We are. So since we're talking about adventure design, we've gone through, you know, overall concepts and framework and openings and hooks. And now we're to the point where we are going to need to discuss encounter type design um, issues. And at the very top of most encounters, you see box text. So that's why we decided to talk about box text next. All right, let's do it. Okay. You'll have a bunch of links, everybody, in the show notes that are about the different ver- places that you can go and read about box text. Because this stirred up, uh, James Intercasso stirred up a whole honey bee nest vibe thing, wasps, everything, craziness. <laughs> Blood everywhere. Let me not say craziness, uh, wildness of mm-hmm. uh, what's going on out in the world. Yeah, about every, I feel like about every five years, um, this topic comes up within the um sphere of freelancers game developers and you know what's the best technology that we have if you will to uh to get information across and so like it was 10 years ago where i wrote two blogs um for critical hits about it and it probably got the most um user reader response of anything i i wrote for them so now it's 10 years later and it's all going coming around again. And it's all James's fault this time. It it is James's fault this time. Yep. <laughs> so I guess the first thing we should do is ask a question. And we'll ask a number of questions about this topic, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. what is the purpose of box text? I mean, if we can figure out the purposes, then we can really talk about it, right? Right. Well, I think uh the 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 points that you wrote in the show notes, Chris, make a good answer for those. All right. Um, so you go ahead. Sure. So one of the roles of the DM in Dungeons and Dragons is to set the stage for action. 
And box text is the most common version of a way for an adventurer to help the DM do this. That is that to me, that is the purpose of box text. It is to set the stage for action. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, this is the big overarching thing. So then I suppose the next thing we should ask is what do we mean by setting the stage? So to set the stage means you need to provide the immediate setting that the characters are in. Mm-hmm. You need to create a tone for what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And that you need to provide an initial conflict or drama for the encounter. I mean, I would normally say scene, but we're pl- talking about D&D and the encounter is actually the thing that we should be talking about. Right. And so, you know, these are three great points. And as we talk about the rest of the questions and answers about box text that, that we have for the show, we're going to keep coming back to this about, you know, providing the setting, creating the tone and providing the conflict. And so let's just kind of sum that up when you are DMing. You tell the characters what they sense, what they what they see, what they hear, and then they respond. And you resolve things either through role-playing or through dice or through both. And then you reset the stage, right? Mm-hmm. And then you continue on from there. So that initial, uh, that initial stage that you're setting is very important to make sure that the players and their characters know what's happening so they can respond in a way that is dramatic. That's fun. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sean, what should box text not do then? That's a great question, Chris. Um, can, can I, can I say, can I tell you, can I uh, talk a little bit real quick about why this is an important thing? This uh, question to ask. Yes, it is because Go. we have 40 years of box text and we have plenty and plenty of terrible examples of box text. Mm-hmm. And and for box text to be effective, it has to do the three, three things we said without doing more than that. Because when you start doing more than that or doing that in wrong ways, it creates problems. Right. We'll, so go ahead. Well, there's a famous quote about government, right? That government is a necessary evil. And box text is kind of seen that way uh, among veteran DMs and adventure designers because it's it's so important to have when you need it, but there have been so many examples of it bad done poorly that it, it, it gets a bad reputation. Um, It's hard to do. It's hard to do. um, And it's, it's function changes from DM to DM. Some DMS could do fine without any box text whatsoever. And some DMS rely on it either because of their skill level or because of not being able to prepare an adventure well um, before they, they have to run it. So good box text for one person is mediocre box text for another person. Um, so even then, you're trying to hit a moving target when you're writing box text. I find that to be interesting because almost in, in almost every situation that I have uh, read that I have had good box text, I will always read it. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I feel that if your adventure has really solid box text all throughout, I can probably run or at least improvise the entire adventure off of the box text. Sure. It, that's absolutely true. Um, and the other, another uh, side note on that box text is you as the writer of the box text don't know the capabilities of the characters. 
So you may write box text as if the characters are walking into a room through the only door that leads into the room, whereas they could be teleporting or phase phasing through one of the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could turn the the whole box text on its ear. Um, so, you know, even then, even if you write the best box text ever, just that can make it problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the worst time I've ever had writing box text is for a room that had multiple entries into it. Mm-hmm. And you could get into the room or the, the area from any of the entries. Right. And if, if there's something that happens different for, for each door that you walk through, like if there's a trap in front of this one, but there's an invisible monster right in front of this one, it, it makes everything different, right? Mm-hmm. So that's and why. I, I think that's one of those places in, in an adventure where um, it helps to have other tools aside from box text because box text will not actually fulfill the role that you were looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we'll talk the, about that later. Exactly. The question you asked was, what should box text not do? And yes. it's much easier to say, you know, this is bad box text because there are so many ways to do it poorly um, mm-hmm. that we want to get these get these out of the way first. Yeah, uh, do you want big ones? Yeah. Do you want to give give your first one? Because this is the big one. Yeah. Uh, do not take away the character's agency. Mm-hmm. So you can start them in a terrible situation, especially if it's in the beginning of an adventure. But you should not have the box text have them taking action. Mm-hmm. Um, it should never say something like, you open the door, you run down the hall, you drink the wine. You should write your box text from third-person point of view. And that last thing that Chris said is the most important thing. And it's something that I, in, in those blogs I wrote 10 years ago, suggested as a way to um, better understand what you were doing when you're writing box text Lots of people, when they write box text, write in the second person. You run down the hall. You see this as you enter. If you avoid using the word you in your box text, that forces you then to not take away the character's agency. You're not telling them what they're doing. You are just describing what is in front of them, and that right there will improve your box text 100%. The, it's the hard only, to do. It's very hard to do, especially if you're used to writing it. Yeah. But work through that discomfort, and you will find it's very, very helpful. By the time you've done it for a second adventure, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, the only time, because there's always exceptions to these rules, mm-hmm. really, really the only time that it's generally acceptable to do this is right at the beginning. Like, if you were hard framing a situation... For them to be in, then you can you can use second person, and you should use it very sparingly, and right. just for the very beginning, which is basically, you open your eyes and you're in a box with holes in the top of it that are shedding light inside. Mm-hmm. That's it, because yeah. that's the hard frame of setting up the situation. Right, and, and, and then, even then you can still avoid it. It's just it's harder you can. to do. You can, but that that's actually not a bad one, right? Like right, like. Like, it, that's the whole like well you're prisoners right right and it's, and i have beginning oh, i'm sorry go ahead no i was gonna say i've also had some of the quote-unquote grammar rules lawyers say well if you use it in the uh 
objective case and not the subjective case, then it's fine, right? Because, you know, the the dragon talks to you. Then that's not telling them what they do. That's having the action happen to the you. Still, you can just say the dragon address, you know, the dragon speaks. Boom, you're done. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Oh, you're totally. I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, let, let's get away from the. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. That, people do that stuff, huh? Yeah, you're right. People do do that stuff. I'm like, really? Really? And then I'm like, no, you're right. People yeah. will actually make that point just because they want to prove that they're right. Yeah. Uh, what's the second point? Okay, the second point is along the similar lines of character agency, which is characters' thoughts and feelings. Um, do not tell them what they think. Do not tell them what they feel. Um, it's their character. They can play it the way they want to play it. And uh, it's not a huge deal, you know, but you know, the, a wave of terror passes over you. Unless they're making a saving throw against you know, being frightened, then it's not a wave of terror because they may see dead bodies all the time, right? Um, evoke the atmosphere without saying you. Use use your words to convey that feeling to the players without just saying you feel frightened. The um, man, the uh, what uh, sly flourish one. He he does this example of box text in, in an article, and you'll, there'll be a link. It was or that was you? No, that was you me. Did yeah. It. Yeah. You did it. I'm reading this thing. I'm like, that is the worst example of box text I've ever ever seen. When I started reading it, right? And then... but, but it's but it's really not. You know, it's 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 average. It's it's the average box text you might see in an adventure. Yeah, and um, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, and because I, I didn't have to really create go out of my way to create bad box text. It's just, let's just write this like a, you know, DM would read or, or a writer would write and see where all the problems are. So, yeah, I didn't have to, like, go out of my way to make bad box text. It, it flowed naturally from me, Chris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can, can I read it? Sure. Can I, please, can I please read it? It's fun. That's why. This, is, this whole thing is fun. Um, your trip through the forest of demise was uneventful. That sentence is fine. The chittering of forest animals and chirping birds that serenaded you through the forest suddenly ends. I think that's also fine. As if the creatures of the natural world shun and fear this place. I don't think you needed that part of that sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, in the distance, you see a tower sticking out of the ground. That's fine. Like an evil, twisted tree reaching up to the sky. That is not fine. Um, as you approach the tower... Okay, now, see, see, as you approach yep. the tower, we've just right. put something on the characters... Yep. Uh, that they didn't that they didn't choose to do that yep. we, we are now way off the the beaten path mm-hmm. um and, and uh as you reach as you approach the tower the crunching of dead leaves under your feet seems almost deafening in the otherwise silent clearing um it's a perfectly fine sentence it's just that is that, that's a problem for the right. reasons that we stated yep. um as you get within 20 feet of the tower you realize the place is surrounded by a nearly invisible noxious vapor uh once again you realize like uh, as you get within 20 feet, uh, then it goes on. As you breathe it in, the stench burns your lungs and makes your eyes water. Like, they didn't choose to do any of that. You just put that on them without right. um, with, without like saying you didn't give them a choice. You've yep. taken away their agency. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go. The next thing like, that Sean just mentioned. The hair on your arms bristles with terror and your heart pounds with an anguish as an ang- uh, anguish shriek cuts through the silence from within the tower. Now, 
an anguished shriek that cuts through the silence from within the tower. That's fine because it's setting setting the the mood, and that's part of the unity of effect and providing information. Yep. Um, but the rest of that, the hearing your arms bristle with terror and your heart pounds, bad. Don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you can feel the palpable presence of evil. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. On the door to the tower, you see four glowing runes. That's fine. Man, that sentence could have been, that whole thing could have been three sentences. Yep. And later in the, the article, I basically do that. You yeah, you, <laughs> the, the whole article is you doing what I just did. Yep. It's great. Yep. But but then, you know, in my article, since we're going to talk about it, you, you get things like the, the hair on your arms, you know, Right, raises you get goosebumps. What if you have a uh, a character like a uh, Warforged. warforged? Exactly, yeah, like playing the cleric. Exactly. You know, then it's like, well, sorry, I don't have hair on my arms because I'm made of wood, and you know, I'm immune to terror, or I don't breathe. So how could I breathe in the noxious fumes? You know, all of those things then become an issue. So that's why you just set the stage, describe what's there. You don't need to use flowery language. Unless there is a very, very, very good reason to, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later. Anyway, it's, it's, so it's yeah. such a fun, it's such a fun paragraph. And then the rest of it, I, I, I highly suggest going and reading that. It's funny. Like mm-hmm. it, I read them like, oh my god, I've I've totally had that happen in my games. Yep. And so what the, what that does is that talks about the last two things that box tech should not do, which is provide unnecessary information or details. You can always put those details later, and the DM can pull them in as needed, mm-hmm. but you don't want to put them in any box text. And don't be any longer than you need. Write as short as possible. You, you know what else I just realized? Like um, When you write too much, you, you can sort of undermine yourself and take away a, a fun little encounter for the player characters. Right. Like That whole approaching the tower thing, that could be an encounter. Sure. In fact, it should be an encounter. Like, right, be- noxious because... Fumes. There's an anguish scream. There's the leaves that crackle. Like those are all things that can be avoided. Right. The the, the rogue wants to stealth, uh, so he's going to avoid those leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know the the wizard or the druid she wants to know what um, what the, what the vapor is. Yeah. Um, so there's that, going to be nature to checks or yep all those things. I mean, it's a whole encounter that could be in the adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Uh, what's the next one? So how do how do we set the stage without using box text? So you can change the format to anything you want it to be as long as you're fulfilling the role of setting the stage. You can use mm-hmm. bullet points, you could use a picture, you could use music, you could use pre-recorded audio settings and this is in an adventure. Like we have the technology these days, you can mm-hmm. do this stuff. Um you could use an internet video. I mean it really just doesn't matter as long as you're setting the stage. Yep. And so what what I take this as a point is whether you use box text or not, you still do need to provide the information to the DM that the DM can easily translate to the players. Yes. That. So whether you use box text or bullet points or any of those things, um, you you want it to be clear. You want it to be concise. You want it to have the important information in an easily available format that the DM will not miss, that will, will not gloss over, that will later affect the, the the characters. You know, if if they're walking into a room and there's a pit in the middle of the floor and they've walked all the way around the room four times before you realize that there's a pit there, that kind of takes away from the, um, from the encounter. Mm-hmm. 
either. And it doesn't even have to be a mechanical thing. It just could be uh, an atmosphere thing that's cool and that's important to set the tone, but you miss it because it's buried, you know, four levels deep under way too much prose in your box text or in your bullet point or in whatever form you use. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, there are just there there are a variety of different ways to present information, and mm-hmm. um, like I mentioned, we were talking about before with the the room that has a bunch of different entrances to it. Like you can't predict where they're gonna come from, sure. So you might need a different format, and maybe that format is like, okay, here are the three most important things about this room in bullet points. Also, here's a handout. Put it on the table. Yep. And the, it, yeah. And with, and. Yeah. and Sorry, if if it's a if it's an encounter where there's information that you are that you need to give in steps, say as they're you know as they're a hundred feet away from something, then when they're fifty feet away from something, don't be afraid to b- break up the box text. Yes, this is this is what you see here. Then have a you know have regular text when they do approach after they have investigated this area. Then boom here. Uh, that information and there's there's no law that says you can't have you know 20 different small pieces of box text as opposed to one huge chunk of box text you you know what does a really good job of um getting around some of this stuff uh in a a different way the um the slash flourishes fantastic locations okay the that because it's a bunch of it. It's a, like there's the, all those giant pictures, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you can just show that picture, and that can True. really help set the stage. And then you can use utilize a different version of, of of information presentation to go along with that. So instead of just using box text, you can use um, bullet points along with the picture. Right. It's it's really effective. Yeah, I mean that th- that goes right back to uh, Tomb of Horrors, right? The original Tomb of Horrors, the original White Plume Mountain. Um, that was when they introduced those half-page or full-page pictures to, to set the scene. Yep. I mean, that's, that is that is probably the other classic, I suppose, way to do it, is to provide a visual image if you have them, or you can mm-hmm. put them together, along with some descriptive text. I, I Man, I wish art was cheaper. No, I know, right? Like, so, yeah, just just I mean, on the business side of things. It, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, as far as the writing part of it goes, like the producing and adventure part of it goes, like, yeah, art is art is expensive. Right. Because a a picture is worth a thousand words, Chris. But you know, mm-hmm. a thousand words costs what you know, fifty cents. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas a picture costs you know a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, so how can we set the stage effectively, Sean? Okay, so what I like to do, I'm going to go away from our notes here for just a second. Sure. absolutely. Is what what you need to do is give the senses. You don't have to give all the senses every time, but pick one or two to highlight. What does the situation, the area look, smell, taste, feel? What am I missing? There are five, and I just uh, did four. Did look, Taste, smell, see, I don't think you said sound, 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 or, or, sound or, or look like. Right. Yeah. And um, think think about your scene in those terms. What are the important things? Now, obviously, normally it's always going to be see. What does it sound like? If you can add one of the other senses, just briefly, just even with two or three words, um, 
you you get across that tone without having a whole paragraph. Yeah, sense and sense. Uh, I'm sorry, not sense. Scent and yeah. sound mm-hmm. are really effective. Yep. So I think those are probably the best the best secondary ones to utilize aside from what do you see. Yep. So if if you're doing that, you're envisioning um, the scene, and once you have a clear picture of it in your head, that helps you describe it uh, clearly. If you don't have that picture, you can it can be more jumbled. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that that um, touch and taste work really well in uh, when you're trying to get squicky or horror horror esque with your mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Those are because they're very personal. Um, they're very up close and personal. Like the yeah. other ones, the other ones you can do from a distance. Mm-hmm. Those, those other two, you have to very be very much right next to it. Yeah. So it's an invasion of your personal space a lot of times. True. Uh, What's next? So I like the um, the who, what, where, and when. Mm-hmm. Like those things really help. I, when is not always. One hundred percent important, but except at right. the beginning. But the who, what, and where, like who's who's in the scene, mm-hmm. what's in the scene, where is the scene? Yep. Um, and where where is everything within the scene? Yes, if it's important. Uh, yep. Uh huh. And then why and how if you need them? Like why are like if you need to like put a why in there, do it. But usually you don't. If you need to put a how, they how the how you you got there, then you can use that. But they're not. That's only if necessary. They're 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 um, optional. Mm-hmm. Or uh, situational, I should say. Situational is better. Mm-hmm. Um, remember to keep your unity of effect in mind. I think that's very important for setting the stage effectively. Yes, very true. Um, highlight, and, uh, Sean. You already said highlight relevant details. That's the that's a very important thing. Right, and and just to just to clarify that even further, relevant in this case should be, you know, what's mechanically relevant, what's dramatically relevant. And then what's relevant in terms of that unity of effect that we always talk about? Yeah, those those those, that's, those that's, three things. Not nothing else outside of that is probably relevant enough to put highlight it in the box text. Yeah, and you you don't want to do any of those too much. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, and that's that's the idea is like you want to present this information so it can be transferred from the DM to the players as efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't want to do any of these too much. Yep. So this can vary depending on how you're presenting information. Um, you don't want to write seven paragraphs. It's not. It's not good. Right. Because uh, people's eye, that is that is somebody reading seven paragraphs to somebody, and um, honestly, the average of us, like some of us, might be excellent readers, mm-hmm. and we might be able to be dramatic and all that stuff. But the, the probably the average person that's running these games are not very good at that. They're probably average, right? So. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have somebody having to do the monotone read for for you know a good two minutes, right? Um, that that'll get eyes glazing over and people pulling out their cell phones. Yeah. Uh, also, ten bullet points aren't easy to interpret, especially if each bullet point is two sentences. Yeah, I, mean, I see that all the time in Adventures League Adventures, and it drives me crazy. I'm like, you're 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 that is not the point of bullet points. <laughs> it's true, and so the, what we're talking about here, right? is is a technical document that you want the DM to be able to use in a way that's helpful. Yes. And so the presentation of information is so important. Um, the, the scannability, right, the usability, 
the layout of of the the text is important in order to be able to find that information. What information is bold? You know, what's in italics? Mm-hmm. What is bullet pointed? What is set aside? All of those things uh, are important. And so as you're writing, you may be writing to a format that you have no control over, right? If you're writing something for a third party, if you're writing for the Adventures League, if you're writing for Wizards, um, there is a pretty strict format that you follow. But if you're doing something on your own, experiment a little bit. See how you can set things aside, uh, highlight things, make things uh, as easy for the DM as possible to present to the players in a way where information, important information is, is established and not lost. Yeah, absolutely. And th- look, this stuff, it's not easy, right? Like, um, uh, there's no hard and fast rules for this stuff, right? Sean, like it, it varies depending on what you're trying to convey. True. And some things are harder than others and some things require different tools. And as we've already kind of covered that, uh, bullet point wise, I, I really think you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you go more than five. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, five's even too many to me, but that's just me. I, I mean, some people can keep more than that in their head, but I think the average person will have a harder time keeping more than five bullet points in their head. And I'm talking about bullet points. Like, each bullet point has like seven words, right? At the most. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and one of the ways that you can lessen the number of bullet points is to have good box text up top mm-hmm. so you don't have to put that information in a bullet, right? Yeah. So it it can work together. And I'm not opposed to having more detailed information underneath that stuff for Game Masters, Dungeon Masters. Like, mm-hmm. if, uh, if you want to provide a section for the Dungeon Master that is like, here's what I was thinking in more detail. If mm-hmm. you need this, then that's great to have that there. But that is not the kind of information that I necessarily need to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and to 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 kind of wrap up my thoughts on this, I think I come down on the side of box text being necessary when used well, because if you believe in that unity of effect uh, concept that. You know, you're creating a, a mood and a story that's all focused on one thing. Then, then a single word can be very important. And so, as the writer of the adventure, getting that word out there and having the DM convey that word to the characters and the players is important. If I'm writing about a room that has a trapped statue in it, and I'm describing that statue, I want to give a clue that it is trapped without being obvious, right? I want to be subtle about it. So I might describe the fiery gems that act as its eyes, right? Because when I say that word fiery, that should create something subconsciously or consciously with the players going fire. Okay. Danger. So I want those words to come out of the DM's mouth to the players. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my head yes at you the entire time. Right. So that's why box text or some sort of read aloud text is horribly important to getting across that either conscious or subconscious part of the game. Yeah, I'm um I'm mostly in agreement with you. I think box text is is a 
wonderful tool to use most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think there are a place or two that um, you can kind of get away from it. I'm mm-hmm. a I'm a big fan of setup as like a header in an adventure, mm-hmm. and then ninety five percent of the time underneath that there's some box text, mm-hmm. and the rest of that time it is whatever else you need to do to get your get your point across. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that for the Wizards uh, publication Dungeon of the Mad Mage, there was no box text. That is rather interesting. Yeah, it was disallowed basically. And but in later books, it was brought back. So I think that was an experiment to. Um, well, first of all, because there's so much content, right? Because that's that's a huge book and you don't mm-hmm. you you just need to cut down on the 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 word count. Um, but if you're dealing with new trying to drink, bring in new DMs, uh, I think it's important to give them that support to help them. Um, transfer information to the players in a way that is best for the DM and the players. So I've never really read Dungeon of the Mad Mage. I don't have a copy of it. Um, do they do anything to provide setups for areas? Um, I haven't studied it close enough to know. I, I assume yes, just because you have to. Yeah, I, I mean, that's I, why I'm, I'm not, asking. I'm not sure if they did something specifically different. And I don't know if there was always a setup header or, you know, something like that. Um, I think it's just, you know, give the, give the minimum amount of information that the DM will need to run it sort of thing. I think it's a cool experiment, right? Like, and to do that in one of their big books is that's kind of, you know, uh, that's a big risk to take. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I I think for the most part it works out. It's just not as easy to run for some DMs. Again, whether it's through experience or through the time that you have to prep. Um, when I run a game, you know, at a con, I might just be handed a book and said, "Run this." You know, I need box text then. Yeah, you that that is a place that you kind of you, you need something. Right? I'm sure I'm sure there are some DMs out there that could do just fine without it. Uh, I am not one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think you need something just to. I mean, it helps give you to help you give you a grounding, right? Like, right. Uh, th- at that point, it's not just the box text isn't just for the players; it's for the, the, the dungeon master. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm like I said, I'm pretty much. I'm pretty much with you. Like I said, I'm, I'm like box text ninety five percent of the time because there are mm-hmm. some situations where it just doesn't effectively work. Yep. Uh, all right. I think we should do some Patreon shout-outs. There's a discussion on box decks. I'm sure we'll talk about something else designing adventure-wise uh, in our next episode. We sure will. Yeah. Well, we're just going to keep breaking down adventure design. I hope you're all mm-hmm. enjoying this, because I know I am. This is These are fun things to talk about for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, Patreon shout-outs. Remy Bilodeau, Glenn Seiler, Austin Lemke, Drew Smith, Robert Aducci, Jeff Stevens, M.T. Black, The Closet Gamer, Troy Pitchelman, Troy E. Taylor, David Walker, Jason Pitt, Danny Silva. There's a whole long list of them today. Mm. Uh, Chris Foster, Donahue McCarthy, Robert Dorgan, Wayne Peterson, Tim Okoye, Thomas Hook, Space Rhino. I hope the Space Hamster is doing well. Nate Broom, Steve Bissonette, Evil Rich, John Just John, Jean Lorbert, and Dan Simons. Oh, wait, there's more. There's more. Uh, Chelsea Clark, Matthew Pezzarelli, Ryan Bolter, and Robert Day. Thank you so much for being our patrons. And if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page. It's on that website, misdirectedmark.com. And for uh, a paltry $2 a month, 
That's you know about the let's like the same as a cup of coffee. In fact, cheaper than some at Starbucks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You can get yourself a shout out. Or for four dollars a month, you not only get a shout out, but you also get to see our show notes, and you have access to the misdirected Mark Slack room where you can chat with us and you can discuss box text with us, and we'll be there to give you our thoughts. Yeah, you probably want these show notes. They're really well like fleshed out and, and whatnot, and, yeah. and a lot of other show notes too. Like these adventure design ones are actually pretty pretty worth it. Uh, if you can't help us monetarily, the next best thing that you can do is review us, preferably mm-hmm. on Apple. You know, iTunes reviews, things like that, they make us really happy, and they do a lot to help us move up in the rankings, and uh, it, you've all been wonderful lately. Like, we've had really good reviews, We've our numbers are up, uh, I greatly appreciate that, thank you, but yes, any thank reviews you. you can give us would be great. Yep, because even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcast uh, is used by other podcatchers to rate and rank shows, so there you go. Yeah. Sean, where can we find you on the internet? The best place to find me is on Twitter at Sean Merwin. Uh, how about you, Chris? Uh, the best place to get a hold of me is at Misdirected Mark or at The Light One Hundred One on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can also just go to the website. Like the the comments go there, and our social media person is very good about giving us the comments, so we always see them. In fact, mm-hmm. we had one from uh, Michael Bendensky last week, uh-huh. uh, which which was about are we going to talk about a whole laundry list of different uh, adventure uh, format types? Because we were mm-hmm. talking about adventure format types, so uh, I mean, maybe we'll talk about that next week. Like, we'll bring that email up and or that uh, message up and be like, uh, and kind of break down where those all kind of fit inside of the things we already talked about. There you go. Uh, you can also, you know, catch other great shows on the website, such as Pandas Talking Games. I mean, that's where uh, Phil and and the Queen of Misdirected Mark Productions, Senda. You know, she's our boss these days. She, uh, she answers uh, your questions. And so does Phil about RPGs from the perspective of one shots and campaigns. Actually, they do it from just two different points of view these days. And they also are very silly. I mean, listening to send a laugh is always a pleasure. That's right. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of encoded designs. Hey, Sean, what are we going to do now? We're going to go kill some purple pros. (laughs) I love the death of purple pros. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you're down with D&D. Get down with D and D. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? Down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? Woo!